Hi, everyone. Today we have a very special guest, Elle Kaplan. Elle is an amazing singer, songwriter, producer, arranger based in Los Angeles, California. His music may be classified as alternative country rock. He creates Western soundscapes with soulful lyrics reminiscent of a Mexican-American Johnny Cash. A seasoned multi-instrumentalist and producer, he has worked for such music legends such as Dr. Dre and produced and toured with Latin R&B singer A. Chow. After disbanding his critically acclaimed alternative rock project, Trickster Guru, L has now embarked on a solo project with his debut EP, Our Lady Queen of Angels, containing such works as Broken Record, Voices, Rock and Roll, and Hourglass. For all our listeners, I am thrilled to say we are now in 171 countries and territories. Welcome, Elle. Hi, Elle. Hi, thank you so much. What a great in uh, introduction. It's an honor to be here with you. Thank you. Your songwriting, your playing, arranging, and producing are a model for everyone to emulate. It is our honor you are here today. Well, to start with, um, how did you become a songwriter? Could you tell us about what got you into it? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I think really just loving music, loving great songs, listening to records, and you know, like many of us, and, and thinking, man, I, I, I want to do that too. <laughs> I want to be a part of whatever this is, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think uh, I started off, you know, like many people as a, just as a musician, my first instrument was the bass guitar when I was 13. And so I started, you know, learning the songs of other musicians and eventually got guitar and started learning how to sing and play at the same time. And I think from there, I kind of started writing original material pretty much right away. I saw that you studied music in college. How did that help you or sometimes hinder you? How did you feel about that experience? Well, I briefly uh, studied music at Glendale Community College in California. Mm -hmm. um, I think the best, the best influence I got from that was probably singing in the choir. And I had the privilege, the choir director, Dr. Jane Campbell, who also they had a program for like private one-on-one -on -one lessons uh, for like extremely cheap, especially for working with someone, you know, she got her doctorate from USC. Uh, I think I learned, I got a like a really hands-on musical education. I think really from being in the choir and understanding harmony and I became the bass section leader uh, and learning kind of how to sight read music better. And they had a great jazz program as well for the jazz guitar. Oh, that's um, which, which, which I got to learn some from. But I, I think that, yeah, I think it really, looking back, it gave me a really solid foundation for sure. I, I do feel like a lot of the theory stuff that I learned, I started to pick up maybe from a private guitar teacher that I had when I was a teenager, and the rest was just like YouTube. In previous uh, episodes, I've had strongly stressed that everyone, no matter if you're a singer or not, should sing all the time to get the music inside you. Often in interviews and articles, we see many songwriters say they start with a guitar, um, keyboard, play chords, and that inspires melodies in their mind. Can you speak to your process? You know, I don't really have, I have multiple ways, I think, that I start a song. Interestingly enough, I feel like a lot of my best songs have started just while 
driving in a car and I get fatigued from listening to music and I turn off the radio and I'm sitting there for a few minutes and then it just kind of like hits me in those moments. <laughs> I feel like I've actually written a lot of my strongest hooks, best melodies, and I don't even do it consciously. In fact, maybe I should do Maybe I should turn the radio off more and write more songs that way. Um, but a lot of the time I'll, some hook or something will come to me and then I'll just record a voice memo in the car and kind of like bookmark it. And then later when I'm sitting down alone in my studio, uh, I'll develop it. But other than that, I'll, you know, kind of just, uh, sit there with either just the guitar, which is kind of like the first instrument I really got advanced at, uh, and just kind of start messing around with chords or I'll open up Ableton and kind of lay down a drum groove and then kind of write some kind of a hip, hip riff over it and see if I can come up with either a verse or a chorus. So, yeah, I mean, different ways, whatever, you know, whatever the muse wants that day, I'll yeah. follow it. That's very interesting. So you use both methods. Sometimes you play a chord progression and that will inspire a melody or the melody will come first and then you'll harmonize it. Do you ever start with lyrics? When I first became a musician, because I used to write poetry before I ever really could write music. I think in the very beginning, I would. Although sometimes when I'm sitting around, I'll think of like a phrase that I think is clever or like a concept. So sometimes mm -hmm. I'll write those things down. And maybe then later when I come back and I open up my notebook, I'll go, oh, that was a cool phrase. That, that's the first thing that I can build a verse around. But I don't think I ever like write out the lyrics in whole first and then add music to it at least not anymore so many have said they start with a chorus which they feel is the essence of a song with the title which becomes the main hook is that something you do you know that's funny because so many times i think i started with the chorus and i was just like wait a minute this is a verse i still need to figure out what the chorus is <laughs> so i i'd like to think that i was like i'll think of ideas and be like oh this is a great hook and i strongly believe it's the chorus only to learn later on that it's it's not and i gotta try harder <laughs> today everybody can have a studio in their own home produce their music make a demo even finish products what advice would you give to our listeners in regards to working in your own home studio um i would just i would recommend just whatever i think is one 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 can feel it i think whatever just feels good on the day that you're as, as long as you're just sitting down in the studio and, mm -hmm. and 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 just and working at it even when you don't feel 100% inspired you have to give yourself the opportunity to get inspired by working at it right. and if sitting there strumming on chords is what gets you there do that i think for me i like to alternate you know because i i think my background really especially in the beginning when I was a teenager was really in early twenties was really more of a singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. And then I played different instruments. And then in my twenties, I really dialed in production and arrangement. Um, but I like, I mean, I, I'm, I, my take on that is just stay open and then put in the work and then the staying open and putting in the work it, you, you kind of allow the inspiration to come in if it's not already there at the very beginning. Um, what would you recommend to someone who wants to, let's say they're a singer-songwriter where they have a small band and they want to uh, produce their own works. Um, can, you, can you talk about uh, maybe what 
programs you would recommend and uh, how you go about creating a, uh, an arrangement? Mm. Well, I currently use Ableton. Uh-huh. Um, I started using it just because a lot of people in the scene, the, the session music production scene in Los Angeles use Ableton. Prior to that, I used Logic. And prior to that, and still sometimes I use Pro Tools, uh, uh-huh. which I still think in a lot of ways is the best one. Oh. Um, not in terms, it's, it's the best in terms of like the features that it has. And also like I've heard, and again, this is subjective, but a lot of people argue that actually like the way that it records vocals and actually like the way that it processes the audio is just cleaner and, and, and uh, like higher quality. Oh. This is all hundred percent up to up for debate, <laughs> but I currently use Ableton for just about everything. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, my recommendation for a singer songwriter or a band starting out is just get basic gear, you know, get an interface. You can get something more affordable, like an Apogee one, get, you know, Rode, Rode actually has some really great cheaper microphones, condenser microphones that sound really good. Or you can just get a Shure SM57, which is a classic for live. And you'd be surprised how many like really expensive studio records just use this like $60 mic or something like that. Really? Wow. Yeah. And, and I think the most important thing is just to like dive into it and just crash course yourself and use YouTube to supplement. If you know, producer friends, like, you know, ask for their advice on certain things, but I think most producers in the paradigm today, it's just crash course, YouTube, try things. And then eventually if you don't give up, you'll get somewhere. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And YouTube, I mean, it's everything you can learn everything on YouTube. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it really completely changed everything. Speaking about that, working in a studio, you worked uh, in Dr. Dre's Aftermath Studios, creating the all-important guitar part to Not the Same by Kyle. And it was an important part of that work. Can you share with the listeners any insights you picked up during that time working at that highest level? I think that being around that, I mean, just there's, there was an insane level of talent in that scene that kind of hovers around Dr. Dre and Aftermath. I think one way that Dr. Dre really innovated hip hop music is, you know, prior to him, the majority of rap songs were purely based on, were using samples and then adding the beat to it. Uh He was, he was one of the first people or the first people in like really a huge pop song that really changed pop music to um, introduce uh, interpolation. Are you familiar with interpolation? Uh, No. Could you speak about that? So interpolation is instead of using a sample of a record, you bring in session musicians to recreate the sample. And that, yes. And that is what brought a whole new level of kind of musicianship to hip hop that wasn't really there prior. I'm, I'm not sure if he used interpolation, interpolation. I mean, and he'll use a combination of session musicians to int- say instead of, okay, we want to use this sample from this obscure record from 1965. Instead of using the, the sample, he'll bring in se- session musicians to recreate the sample. Do they still and, have to pay royalty on that then? Uh, yes, I think so. But it's yeah. different. It's different. It's a different royalty structure than if they use the sample itself. And from my understanding, it's actually definitely... Uh, cheaper to interpolate in the long run especially if it's like a big record that they're interpolating wow yeah and and so basically i um i was just around these just insane musicians and that was kind of like he there was that philosophy um 
of bringing that musicianship to these these records and uh yeah i it was the greatest boot camp i could have asked for you know i met dr dre and auditioned for him because i was working closely with an artist that was signed to his label at the time and had the addition to the opportunity to audition for dr dre which was nerve-wracking but uh <laughs> yeah I, I actually sang for him one of my original songs on an acoustic guitar <laughs> that's actually what got him to hire me as a producer because the artist wow. that i was working with was like you know everybody's going to try to show him beats he's like but well, you should just sing and play guitar and and kind of be ballsy and i think he'll really respect that and yeah. he did <laughs> so that's great yeah. um so yeah it was a great and, and at the time that i was working for the artist um who i won't name now because there's mm -hmm. just different you know politics with all of that yeah. um one of the main things they had me do was we would dig through all these kind of obscure soul psychedelic rock and r&b records mostly from the 60s and 70s and try and, and just recreate them recreate the harmonies the guitar the bass or kind of do a version of it that then they would flip into a beat and do creative things with. And I think that that was a really uh, eye-opening and awesome experience that I'm really grateful for. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So on, when you do your work, you approach it the same way, have the musicians uh, interact, or do you have something set definitely in your mind? Um, well, for, for, for this record that I just finished, I played pretty much everything on it. Yes. I I brought in not the not the drums. Well, uh, some of the percussion though, on like on the percussion on the song "Our Lady, the Queen of Angels," I think I did a lot of the percussion on that. I, I think the way that I have been, how I did this record, and I'm I'm open. I mean, you know, a part of it. What's what's that that quote? It's like something is the creativity is the limitation is i i'm you can cut this part out but basically the limit how the limitations can breed creativity you know or like limitation is kind of the the the, the i'm not even going to try and remember what this quote is now but the point that i'm trying to make is i tried working with a producer but producers can be expensive i tried doing the whole session like hiring a bunch of people and going to the studio and all that took time and so it took me years to like the way that i approached it is i would actually Use, I use this software, this drumming software that has super real sounding drums. It's really incredible. And I would actually write, you know, this, at least the skeleton of what the percussion would be. Yeah. And then I would add guitar, bass, harmony, like all the other textures I would add. And I would finish pretty much all of the song and all of the, all, all of the instrumentation kind of in my own home studio. And then I would bring in, uh, like a pedal steel player on one song, or I would bring in, I mean, that's pretty much it. The rest of it I kind of played. And then at the end, I worked with my mixing engineer who also added some co-production, this uh, producer mixer, Eddie Spear. He helped me bring in a session drummer to then interpret the drum parts that I had composed within, in, in the box. On that subject, can you tell us about the songs on the EP, Our Lady Queen of Angels? You mentioned Eddie Spear, who worked with Chris Stapleton and Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, so Eddie came in the picture in the end. Um, I had pretty much finished my record. I, I only had, I, I actually had programmed drums on it. And I, in my mind, I was like, this sounds real. I can probably get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and him and I worked on, 
And, and I, I really like to, you know, we talked about how awesome it is um, to be able to create in the studio with like a digital interface and stuff like that. But I still am a huge fan of like analog technology mm-hmm. and, and running through things through like an- analog preamps, compressors, mixing in an analog board and tape machines and stuff like that. Because I still feel like there's a, there's a warmth to those machines that yeah. you just uh, and I do my best to, to create that sound. And, and these days there are sophisticated plugins that can add textures that make it actually sound decently analog, uh-huh. you know, and the, and the replications have actually gotten pretty good. But what I really liked about Eddie is he has his studio, his home studio in Nashville with just a bunch of these like vintage, um, like pedal or not pedals. Um, oh yeah. Effects pedals and things that he can route it through and different like uh, tubes that he can run it through to give it that this extra kind of like warm analog vintage flavor. So we, we originally brought him on as a mixer and then it, he just made everything sound so much better. And he connected me with this really amazing uh, session drummer in Nashville named Axel Co. who ended up, they went into the studio one day. I wasn't there, but they were like sending me videos and sending me kind of notes for feedback. And he kind of just, you know, interpreted the drum parts and they did in the studio and they ran it all through a tape machine just to get that kind of like 70s sounding uh gritty drums and just crushed it i mean eddie is is such a pro and i'm so grateful to have been able to work with him you know mostly as a mixer but also he brought in he helped he produced the drums and and I, i i think just his you know his approach to mixing is so creative that it is adding production to it in that sense as well the final product is truly amazing. It's a great achievement. The final song is a cover of a Selena work. Could you tell us why you made that choice? So before I finished producing the record, um, at the year, the first year of the pandemic, I actually made a whole album of uh, covering classic Spanish songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Como Flor is one of them, but I gave them all this kind of like stripped down Western feel to them yeah so i had originally recorded como la flor as part of uh, a few songs a spanish covers that i'd recorded Mm -hmm. as a part of an album but uh in kind of launching this phase of my career as a new artist and wanting to incorporate my the the latin sound with my mexican heritage on my mom's side who raised me with a lot of regional mexican music and mexican pop music and blending it with music that my dad raised me with which is more of that like kind of like soul rock and roll and all that, um, I picked that song Como La Flor because most people know who Selena is, even if they're not, you know, a part of the Spanish music audience. And we wanted to in- incorporate something in this first record because on the next record that I'm already working on, I have some Spanish originals that are all kind of woven into the style that I do oh, that I want to include. So, great. wow! You know. So you have strong influence from your mom, Mexican influence, and then from your dad. I think you, I read it was R&B, right? Is that correct? He, well, he just kind of raised me on older music. I mean, I grew up in, in the car with him and he would put on oldies from like Motown to you liked a lot of jazz, Latin jazz, classical. Because wow. he was a he was a session musician himself oh, in yeah. L.A. And he grew he went to high school with Billy Preston. And really? So, yeah, he did. And so he got wow. to tour with him and stuff. So he really although he gave up music professionally like in the 70s he raised me with that kind of like appreciation and sensibility for for music 
I think when people listen to your music, they will realize all these influences come out in your music, which is truly original, unlike anyone else. As we finish up, is there any advice you could give to our listeners? Uh, for aspiring musicians yeah. and songwriters? Yep. <clears throat> well, I would just, you know, whatever kinds of artists and records that made you fall in love with music, study their records, do your best to emulate their records if you're trying to develop your original sound. And I feel like starting out, if you're emulating the records you love, that is going to inspire you to keep going. And when John Mayer actually, I think, said this in an interview one time, and I love this piece of advice that he said, you find your sound when you fail to emulate the people that you want to sound, uh, sound like. And that's part of the process of finding your sound, which, which I thought was pretty brilliant. So, yeah, I, I would just say, you know, follow the artists and songs that you love, study them, try your best to copy them, and then try your best to, to either do your own take on it or, or, uh, or, or maybe beat them at it. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best motivation, but yeah, I no, think... that, that's a great quote because you know, how many times you've seen uh, famous, especially soloists in rock and jazz talk about how they learned and they all say the same thing from when they were young, they copied solos uh, by the people they love and then developed a style out of the mixing what they've learned. You know, I, almost every, um, great soloist I've ever seen has said that. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear your music. Where can they find it? Well, the only thing that I have out right now is the cover of Como La Flor. You know, right now we're, we're sitting with the record and seeing if we can find partners and launching mm -hmm. it. But you can find anything under my artist name, which is L Kaplan, E-L space C-A-P-L-A-N. And it's like that. You can follow me on social media as well. And all my handles are the same thing. L Kaplan, which is my artist name. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, of course. And, and thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Oh, for me too. Thank you. Take care. You too. In the description of this episode, I put a link to Elle's music. Please check it out. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I'd like to leave you with a few quotes. Vangelis, music is science more than art, and it is the main code of the universe. Leslie Garrett, that was when I realized that music is the most profound, magical form of communication there is. Joey Jardison, when you have the power of music within you, your soul and your heart, nothing can stop you.